algorithms can't gauge potential. They can't see and know who you are surrounded by and the impact that's going to have on you. All they can do is the black and white. Hello, professionals, and welcome back to another episode of the Professional-ish Podcast. Today's episode is the second episode in a pair of related episodes on transactional and relational tasks. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, we definitely suggest doing that first because today's episode, it'll make a lot more sense if you do that. Um, We will be defining transactional versus relational tasks again, and then taking a deeper look at relational tasks really versus kind of like technology and automation. So Jordan, do you want to start us off with that definition? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always like, how can I make a little spinoff of how you intro it? And today was singing. (laughs) Um, So as a reminder, the... This is how we define it. And this is not some scholarly definition. Transactional is black and white. It's non-emotional and it can be automated. And for relational, that is all about feelings, emotions, and people are involved. So it's it's multi-layered and multifaceted. Uh, so those are just to kind of remind you of um, the two topics and then how we're um, considering them in today's uh, conversation. So let's go ahead and get started with topic one. I think we have two overall sections of what we'll be talking about today. Um, Jordan, do you want to get us rolling? Rolling, rolling, rolling on the river. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when we think of relational tasks, what comes to mind? My brain literally just goes to 80s and 90s in like what that office environment looks like. But I also think of like sales and marketing. I always think of the sales calls. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so a lot of what was very normal and weekly and all that was things like client lunches and sending fruit baskets. And that makes me think, so it's like a domino effect over in my brain over here. It makes me think of The Office when there there was probably a few episodes where Michael and Dwight spend the day to drive literally from one brick and mortar client to the next brick and mortar client and they've got their food basket. It was for those office enthusiasts, you'll remember this, when Michael doesn't listen to the GPS or maybe he does listen to it and it leads him off the road and into a lake and his, (laughs) his car literally goes into the lake water starts to accumulate and anyway I don't remember exactly how it turns out but like they I think they have to like hire a tow truck and anyway it's just this whole thing and then at some point Michael gets upset because one of the clients is referencing a competitor of theirs and is really interested in what they have to offer and so Michael like takes part of what's in the food basket like throws it at the person <laughs> you know all sorts of uh best practices in the workplace <laughs> so like that's what i think of i think of you like getting in your car and you bringing whatever like swag or food or whatever the thing is and you drive and you like handshake and all that so that's what i think of rachel what do you think of um I really think of, I don't know if I can pinpoint an exact like time period, but I really think of back when door-to-door salesmen were still a really big normal thing because uh, now we have technology and in so many ways for people to be able to buy products and for companies to get in touch with people. And back with a door-to-door salesman, they would lit- they, it's door-to-door because they would literally go door-to-door because the technology didn't exist. And also, it's really hard to say no to someone face to face, or it's much harder to say that than it is by text or email or phone mm-hmm. call. Um, so, <laughs> side note, pet peeve of mine is pushy salespeople who uh, the number of times we've had someone trying to speak, they want a face to face meeting with our boss. Yep. 
yeah sorry I'm just flashing back to when literally I I remember walking up and being like so I'm just gonna be straight with you um you are not gonna get in front of our bosses it's just not gonna happen so if you'd like to send us your information by email you can do that and then they kept trying to pitch this was the two guys that came to like in the office to the window this was like a hot minute. Was like, I this out, is a while. out of the office? I was like, I don't, um, I don't You may that. have been. I don't think you were out of the office for all of them because uh, they came back like, oh, they they came like three different times. Well, and by the end buggers. of it, well, I shut them down and I guess they were hoping someone else would be there. <laughs> <laughs> but by the third time, I was like, look, um, you're not going to see the owners. It's just not going to happen. I remember so. you saying that. So that must have happened just before I got there. So they're... I mean, yeah, but that's, that's what it was is like, they've got their, um, sometimes they have like a little badge or something, but they've got their business cards and they have their little spiel and like their, I mean, what you would say, Rachel is like, they had their scripts to Mm -hmm. have a sort of like persuasive wording that you, for me being the unsuspecting person you can't help but like fall into whatever their kind of motive is. So interesting. You know, what's interesting is as you were um, sharing, you know, kind of your imagery uh, with this and talking about just like the in-person and the door to door in my mind immediately flashed to nowadays we have email marketing and we have Mm -hmm. that really helpful little button at the bottom of those emails that says unsubscribe. (laughs) Yes. All you and have to do sometimes is that doesn't button. work. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's the thing is because at this point those email campaigns have like multiple avenues of topic. Mm-hmm. And so you think that you've unsubscribed and then oh guess what? You only whacked one of the moles. You have multiple others to get rid of. And now it's just a little link in an email. There's nothing face to face about it. So that's what came to mind as well. Uh, but then, like, we also used to have milkmen back in the day. Like, to a point, I could see, like, oh, they, you know, they're they're coming up or they're knocking on the door and, hi, Frank, nice to see you. How's the, like, you could strike up a little conversation with them and, like, mm-hmm. get to know them. All right, so our next kind of subcategory here is just the generational component to this. Think of the context of how tasks were completed back in the day of 80s, 90s, early 2000s. It was so relational. Um, I used to work at a company where um, it was co-owners and the presidents were, I believe one was in his fifties and one was in his sixties. Um, if I'm like remembering that correctly. And you could just tell from how they went about their business, the, how they approached different conversations. And um, they had a little bit of a um, anxiousness towards social media because you you often have to see all the bad that can come from it versus the good that can come from it. And they were so heavily based on doing paper versus, you know, an online account and in-person things. And so their mentality was so ingrained in that and the pros that came from that, that it was interesting to see how they would come, like interact with their work because of that. But Um, there's something to be said for how they had limited resources and software and hardware. And so it's going to just be a different landscape than we have now. So like limited technology resources. Yes. Yes. Limited technological resources. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Like they had actual physical desk phones. You had the Rolodex, which was your now the modern day CRM, you had your Rolodex. And it's like, there's there's that kind of picture of in the 80s versus now of a desktop. And in the 80s, you had the literal wall calendar, the computer, the keyboard, the mouse pad, the notepad, the pen, snacks, physical whatever. Physical files, physical, physical files. like cabinet, paper, mm-hmm. folders. And now it's like, you have your laptop, you have your phone, and to a point, that's kind of all you have because everything's on your computer. So mm-hmm. they did not have um, just a lot of the a lot of things that we have now, and so of course it's going to be different. Um, and because they didn't have all these extra things of the social media and iPhones, they couldn't really take a phone call as they were out on the road. If you missed, 
if you called them on their desk phone and they weren't there because they were out talking with the client, you had to wait an hour or two hours to get back to the office and then call you back. Yep. So it's just so different. Um, and it's like even like to expand this one touch further, you had in-person meetings, you had sales calls that you had to make, and then you even had client either breakfast or lunches or dinners so that you could literally be face-to-face with them and talk with them. And I think there's something to do with, or something to be said about eating with your clients. Like there's something very, I don't know if I would say bonding. Um, and I, that could connection. be a thing. There's connection. You're building there, yeah, yeah. a relationship with them, like on a, on a more personal level. Yes. Like you're literally like when you, cause you don't sit down to eat with just anyone. And so there's something to be said of, I'm going to provide, like, we're going to pay for this client for their lunch. And like, it's, it's on, it's on the house and whatever you want to get. And here's our, our little gift bag for you. Like you are putting out money, you're putting out time and that's, that's how you showed value. So it's just very interesting how your handshake was your word in those moments and your products and services were so heavily relied upon and depended upon. Um, so it's just interesting to think about like what, if, if we kind of took over a basic sales call or a you know, basic business lunch, how would the average millennial of 2022, how do you even Gen know Z, how to do I'd that? I'd love to see. I'd oh love to see you. Oh, I just have this image of this like simply <clears throat> faced braces, like 16 year old, who pants don't even fit. And he's like, uh, my name's, uh, you know, so-and-so. What was your name again? Oh, anyway, not that that would be the case. I think that like the average person who actually wanted to do well could show up and like do well, but like there's so many facets of how do you invite the client to that meal? How do you pick the restaurant? How do you dress? How do you prepare? I know that with you, with, um, the, what is it? The, um, uh, TV show that we've had different clinicians on this week. WBTV, uh, what's it called? The I want to say it's Q something, but I don't know if that's even right. QC in the morning. There we go. Cool. Queen City. QC. Queen City. Yeah. yeah okay. Morning. So like you, you know the layout of you know at least waist up. You dress professionally. You have your talking points. You literally have what you're going to say scripted out because you have what three minutes to make an impression. About three minutes. Yes. And so like there's just certain things of. If you go into it without knowing that, you're going to waste your opportunity. But then it's also the, the whole point of when you go into that lunch, what's the goal of the lunch? What are you trying to get mm-hmm. from them? Mm-hmm. And then how do you wrap it up? Like, how do you like, all right, you know, we'll see you next quarter. We'll see you next month. Or, you know, we'll be giving you a call. Like, there's just so many things to that, that I don't think that it's something that like no one can do it now and do it well, but there's a finesse to that. There's a best practice to that. And it's kind of becoming, not that it's a lost art, but it's just, I can't remember the last time I heard of a business taking a client out for a meal. Like it just doesn't really happen nowadays. Yeah. I feel like it's far less, far less done just in general. We don't want to lose the quality and effectiveness of having a real person to speak of. And so essentially to close out this section, I want to give you space, Rachel, in a second, if you have anything else to add on this, but like to close out the majority of what we're talking about. um, An example is the other day recently, um, I had to contact Amazon customer service because I had bought a Kindle for Amazon Prime Day, which was my first time like even utilizing that I'd, I've never bought anything themes on Prime Day. And unfortunately, when I tried to set it up, it wouldn't work. And I, you know, started off by oh, Googling. Like the, the Kindle? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, there's there's two. Here's what I learned. You have to connect it to Wi-Fi, and then you have to register it with your Amazon account because that's how you get the digital products. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like it's a it, – I don't think it can work independently of – hooking into the Amazon account. And so I'm like, okay, I can, you know, try and do some, some basic troubleshooting through some of their help articles. But I realized that, you know, basically if you do a B should occur and B didn't occur. And I was like, no amount of these help articles (laughs) and related articles are going to help me with my Kindle. 
you and so like the the kicker is you can't automate customer service and that's the name of the episodes that's what we're talking about did you have anything else to add on that uh no i don't i feel like you really summed that up well cool all right let's take us into topic number two so our second section is more so on the effects and benefits of relational tasks and then we'll go into um, and then we'll go into pros and cons and give some different examples. So when Jordan and I were originally discussing this topic, specifically relational tasks and how things have changed through time, through generations, um, I was I was just thinking, I feel like we're getting to a point in in culture and technology where a lot of people are wanting to rebel against the super connected world, connected, connected meaning like technology and the internet, not necessarily human connection, which I'll talk about in just a second, but a lot of people are rebelling against that like ultra connectedness and wanting to go back to a simpler life or a simpler time when you're not available or people cannot reach you 24 seven, where you can, uh, what is it called? Where you can unplug, so to speak. Um, just comparing that in my head to, you know, when microwaves were coming out and microwave food was the big thing because it was a new technology. But I think people are really, I think people are getting to a point where they're really wanting to rebel against technology and being ultra plugged in all the time and always available because think like Jordan, you were just saying, like if you were out of the office at a certain point in time, the technology didn't exist to have a cell phone on you or to have a mobile phone. And so people would have to leave a message. And now it's like, you don't go to the bathroom without your phone. So I think people just want to get to a simpler time to, to, for all intents and purposes, not go back in time, but have more disconnect or be more unplugged from this kind of constant, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, constant stimulation. Um, cause like I said, Jordan, you were talking about people who would leave the office and you couldn't get in touch with them. Um, so who's to say that that's not a bad thing? Mm, yeah. You know what you I mean? assume it's negative and it's not. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people instead of like the quick fix, um, the quick fix, like, let me order it online. A lot of people are coming back to, you know, shop local, go to the farmer's market versus the online shopping. I personally love the farmer's market over the grocery store. I still utilize both, but I love going to the farmer who has literally planted the seed and taken care of this plant until it was ready to pick and picked it that morning. And I'm like, okay, what's the best cantaloupe? And you know, the, I don't know how to, I am terrible at picking a cantaloupe. Mm -hmm. So the farmer, and you know, he knows what he's doing, always has dirt under his fingernails. Like he knows what he's talking about. Um, and he'll be like, oh, these are the sweetest ones of the season. I'm like, will you pick me out a good one? Every time it's the best cantaloupe I've ever nice. had. Nice. So you just can't get that with machines because I'm sorry, a machine cannot like yeah. smell and, and, you know, thump the cantaloupe to see if it's good or whatever the trick is that I never understand. <laughs> um, that really can't be automated. That just, that really brings me to my, one of my big passionate points of people crave or really they need human connection. There is, there is no way to truly replicate that utilizing technology you can only go so far with that studies have been done comparing babies in orphanages or foster care where um one orphanage foster care whatever babies were not uh they were not held or interacted with an adequate amount versus orphanages and foster cares where they had enough human connection and interaction um, and literally that physical touch, the eye contact, the speaking. And in the 
orphanage or foster care where they weren't getting they were getting like little to no human interaction the baby's brains were literally not developing they were not developing properly in my head i'm like so that just goes to show we literally can't live without the human connection mm -hmm. and i mean look at tom hanks in survivor he had to make someone out he had to make <laughs> another person do you mean castaway that's what I meant. Not survivor. Sorry. Survivor. <laughs> she means Wilson. Wilson. Means <laughs> yes, that one. And like he had, he had developed True. a bond with that person. Because then when the ball like went off to see or like he lost it, he was freaking out. And it was just because that was the scene. only person. Yes. Not even a real person. He had it with a smiley face or something on the ball. Yes. You know, like that, that was. That was the only connection he was getting, and it wasn't even real connection. So th that is really just my whole uh, my whole passion and my whole uh, push for don't underestimate how important relational transactions are, because at the end of the day, we still need people and human connection, and I I don't see any reason for that to go away. Agreed. <laughs> In continuing with the stream of thought, something that I wanted to contribute to this is the idea of um, obviously being on the job if you are in marketing, if that is your role of the digital marketing and putting content out there. The thing is, is that you kind of have two parts to digital marketing. You've got the first part of literally coming up with the words for drafting the content and coming up with like the graphics, so you design the graphics. But then the second part is to actually put it out there and to post it and to, you know, log in and click on the different fields and, you know, copy paste or whatever you do and click publish. And that's, that's that. Mm -hmm. And within this example, you've got these two parts. If you try to swap them. So let's say um, there's all sorts of different ways you can do this. You can obviously do everything um, manually. You can create the content, you can create the graphics, and then you can post. Um, something that has come about, I mean, it's not a new thing. It's been at least five years that it's been out there, if not maybe a decade or more by now. But people have come up with this kind of third-party platform. And one of the examples that I know of is Sprout. I have yet to use this option or this benefit. But if you plug in all of this content that you have created into this platform, you can connect it to your social media accounts. What you was can... the Sorry, I missed what you said. What was the platform name? Sprout. Oh, okay. Uh, so you plug in all the stuff and then you can decide what day, what time, and you can connect it to your social media accounts. So, and so it's one thing if you have one, but if you have three, five, however many people have these days um, that you can click, you know, Facebook and then this kind of post on this kind of day at this time. And so it allows you to have the system do that part for you mm -hmm. but the thing is you can only have these systems publish something that's already been created if you ask a system to write something or to design something i hope that we will never get to that point because that's a human's job to do but the thing is that humans or machines can't do that only humans can so there's no replacement with that. Humans have to create that content because the computer can't. The computer can post it for you. They can take something already made, but they can't make it. And I just thought, like, I don't see that ever changing. I mean, you've got you've got better design equipment to drag and drop different, you know, shapes and colors onto a palette, but you still have to decide the organization of those shapes and dots and words. So that's one example of this. In that same vein, I'm thinking you can't replace people as far as creating and designing these graphics. You can't replace people for relational tasks. You can't replace them for that human connection. Like, yes, if we're using social media, we are quote unquote connected. And to some degree, we feel seen and heard. But at the same time, when you're looking at the effect social media has had and how our generations are handling this quote unquote connection. I had found an article talking about basically 
these newer generations, including millennials, we are becoming less and less really connected. Um, And Jordan, I think you'll love some of these. Um, I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from this article because I think it's just such a great show of how with positive things like technology and advancement, there's always going to be a negative. So with the pros, there's always cons. You can't have, you know, one without the other. Um, So as we become more automated, more transactional, more plugged in with technology and more reliant on it, we are in essence losing more and more human connection and social connection. And that's what this article I found talks about. It's, um, we will put the link in the show notes, but it's, um, it's from Stanford, their medicine department. Um, and it's called Connectedness and Health, the Science of Social Connection. So it talks about one study shows that a lack of social connection is actually more harmful to you, to your health, than obesity, smoking, and high blood pressure. Which, if you're looking at on the, like, what is it, on the, like, list of huge health issues or how many people have these things as health issues, those are super high up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it talks about it when people are having strong social connection, it strengthens your immune system. It helps you recover from disease and sickness faster. And it belie- it's believed that it will lengthen your life. People who are getting an adequate amount of like human connection, not social media, not email, Um, actual connection. They'll have lower levels of anxiety and depression. They'll have higher self-esteem, better empathy, and they're more trusting and cooperative. Um, But the sad part from this article, what what made me really sad was that human connection is declining, that loneliness is increasing. And so in 1985, Americans claimed that they had about three people that they felt comfortable sharing a personal problem with. In 2004, it was zero. Zero people that the general population felt comfortable sharing a personal problem with. And more than 25% of people in the study said they have like zero people to confide in, not even talking about sharing a personal problem and who they feel comfortable. They're like, Oh, I don't really have anyone I can talk to about anything. I, I don't like disagree with that. I mean, I think you hear studies, you know, pretty frequently of, Oh, here's the latest research and here's what we're finding. And people have no community and have no friends and no support system. And I think that to a point, like we've become so self-consumed and self-focused that we're not as good as a people or as a race with talking to others and including others and, and seeking others out. Um, but I guess I just have this wondering or this question. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna share my thoughts really quickly on this. <laughs> is that if you literally say I don't have friends. I have to wonder what you're choosing to do in your day-to-day life because there there are, it sums down to what choices you're making. And so I get that if like maybe you move to a new city, like I get that there are certain environments and dynamics that don't lend themselves to community, but yes, it's scary. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's awkward to go up to someone and say, hey, would you want to meet with me for coffee? Would you want to go to a movie with me? But it just kind of makes me wonder how hard are people trying and putting themselves out there Mm -hmm. and making a priority? Because I don't, I think that there's, I mean, there's how many people on this earth? Like there's going to be some people who are willing to chat with you and willing to hang out and willing to hear you out. And so I don't think that it's silly to think that it could be less people but the fact that, you know, however many people in the city can claim, I don't have anyone, who are your parents? Who's your sibling? Who are your classmates? Who are your, your coworkers? Who are your neighbors? 
what what groups are you in who you can find one person? So I'm getting off my soapbox. <laughs> well, you make a great point, and I have a I don't think I'd call it a counterpoint, but devil's advocate over there. Not not even devil's advocate. I'm just I'm not disagreeing with you, but to bring an alternate perspective, as you were speaking, my first thought was, well, what if they were never taught the tools? of making friends, how to connect. Because if you're talking about, so our generation as millennials, uh, depending on where you fall age-wise, you, like you and I were talking about, we didn't necessarily have our childhood have technology in it, but some of the millennials had. Um, so let's look at millennials or just people in general who have been connected from a young age and found the convenience among other things, of being connected and not having to call a person, they could just text, not having to handwrite a letter, not having to do all of these things that imply uh, much more uh, connection and very personal and intimate to a, to a level, if you will. Um, if they're not having to do those things and they're teaching their children that it's okay to not do these things that have social connection, human connection right off the bat, then these kids literally may, I see, say kids, but plenty of adults, they literally don't have the tools to know how to make friends, to know how to have connection with another person. Because think about when you first started with the company we're at now, and you had said before that, like, I've taught you a lot of thing, things about sales and you've taught me about uh, no, many, many, many other things. Um, but you were coming in with far less sales experience than I had had. And you learn, well, what if someone's coming into their adult life not having the tools or the knowledge to create human connection? What do and they do? I, we can volley back and forth on this. I have another thought and I'll just say it very quickly. Um, and then there's just so much other great content so we can keep moseying on. Um, <laughs> but I literally, my, my counterpoint to that is that I think that we were literally created for community. Mm -hmm. So when you are, um, like I went to the movies, I went to go see Top Gun and I am at the register and I'm getting my popcorn and I can literally say, and I, I think I made a comment about, hey, like, have there been a lot of people coming for Top Gun? Like, do you know? Like, has there ever been a good turnout? Or if you're, like, um, at the store and you see someone else looking at the same top that you've been looking at, isn't this a cute shirt? Like, you're, it's going to just come out of you. It's going, like, that, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's strike this up. I don't think it's that we don't know how to. It's as soon as we have that thought, all the self-doubt comes into play. But what if they're going to think I'm weird? What if they're annoyed? What if they don't want to talk to me? I'm going to sound dumb. Great data. point. And yes. so I'm like, no, no, no. We were literally created for connection. We're created to have the friendships and the community around us. It's us that overthinks it and assumes the worst versus assuming the best of the person. And so that's when you get yourself out of the game before you even started the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> really my my whole kind of point and I think both of us were were trying to reach the point of it's important human connection is important and we <laughs> we can both agree on that we really can't live without it well actually that leads perfectly into an example of this um so Jordan you and I work in the administrative side of a private counseling practice and um, our boss recently sent out a video talking about insurance and all of these new with the pandemic happening all of these new um, kind of apps and online platforms for counseling popping up which i think is great to some degree but then things like this one particular app pop up and i'm like wow i don't agree with that um so during the pandemic, an app was created called WoeBot. Woe as in W-O-E, like woe is me. Um, is that where it comes from or is that just how you're equating the spelling? No, that's that's my understanding of like woe means sadness. Yeah, like that's, um, <laughs> that's how you, oh gosh, I have got that. Let's continue. <laughs> 
So the app is called Wobot. And what I got from it is it's basically AI, like artificial intelligence that you can talk to. And it's supposed to, in some ways, mimic counseling or mimic that human connection. But the problem is, I basically watched this this whole thing from the news and they were just showing different interactions and how inappropriate and unrelated the responses from this robot could be. And the the company that created the app ended up coming out and saying, oh, well, we didn't, we didn't create this for, you know, the examples you gave were of someone in crisis and we didn't create it for that. I'm like, okay, so if people are already not reaching out to other people for human connection, which is kind of what you're implying with this app, that they'd be turning to tech or AI. Um, don't you think that you should make sure it can handle a crisis like that? Because if they don't feel comfortable enough to reach out for connection, whether it's going to a hospital, calling a crisis line, whatever, you really think this they're gonna come and use this app for like funsies? No, they're coming because they have serious problems. So anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox for that. But <laughs> that's just an example of like, you you can't replace, you can't fake human connection. You can't, um, you can't automate, like you can't automate customer service. You cannot fake human connection with, with a robot or robot as it is, um, as it stands. Um so yeah, I, I'll just hand oh, it, hand yeah. it over to you, Jordan. Whew, I got so many thoughts on that because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not against like uh, online therapy as far as like that that mode, but like it just comes to show that like yes, create another resource for people, but like you have to know what you're doing before you put that resource out so that you don't like endanger people. Um, just because you didn't think through who would come to use that resource. Like you, I think you had commented about how um, they didn't even have like, whether it's completely or partially, they didn't even have like trained professionals to be the, well, cause it's, it's the, the, the machine. That was why they're not even trained clinically. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so bad. Like we're going to just mosey right along here. So uh, the next piece to this is to consider as far as more tangible, what is the criteria for relational tasks? And so we have, as you guys know by now, we've come up with a list and it's not long, um, but basically I'm just gonna run these off real quick. So think of it as um, you're working with people, emotions are involved, there is a level of emotional intelligence that is required to complete the task accurately or effectively. There may be urgency to the task. I mean, like really quickly, like it's like going into the ER, you can't have a machine figure out to stop the bleeding. Like you gotta have someone to like get the gauge on. I yes, um, don't understand urgency. <laughs> blood, what's that? Oh, they're losing blood, they're, they're gonna pass out. Um, next thing is it can't be effectively automated. Um, kind of to our definition earlier, it's not black and white. There is a nuance, there is a gray area it requires decision making and ultimately and last point on this is it's a complex multifaceted multi-layered type of task it's not simple the simple things to a point can be automated the complex you could break that apart and automate some parts of the task but um, you can't like with this whole social media post thing you can break that apart but ultimately there's a portion of it that has mm -hmm. to be a person doing it yeah. Um, and it would be, I would think, in when larger, more complex things that should be relational, I would say when, in my opinion, when they're broken up, like you were saying, and, and parts of it or all of it is done in broken up pieces, I would say it ends up being far less, like, to less effect. Mm. The more that you get to the technology, the less that it can be effective. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or it just, it doesn't have the same impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when people are behind it, it can be ingenious. When machines are behind it, there's a limitation to it. Yep. Interesting.
interesting. So we've got a couple of examples. Um, um, I've got one and Rachel's got one. So essentially the one that I have come up with is- and, Sorry, these, and I think we were talking about with these, they're examples of relational tasks that really need to stay relational mm, or yeah. or trying to automate relational things. If you try to automate, it's going to fail because there's, there's a nuance and a multifaceted piece to it. Um, so basically, for all you, uh, what is it, uh, legal drama nerds out there. Legal I mean, eagle. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> <laughs> you love that phrase. Um, but the, the show Suits, um, it's got, you know, Mike and Harvey in, in that kind of mm. environment there. Uh, huh? Oh, I was just, there are some attractive <laughs> characters in that show. Well, I mean, I think in order to be on a show, there has to be some level of attraction on there. Because people don't want to watch ugly people act. Um, Ooh, anyway. Harvey Specter. <laughs> Woo! Ooh, ooh. Anyway, now we know you've got one. Crush. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the show, back to serious face. Um, there is a character named Katrina who is trying to like make her mark and she's newer to the team and she's trying to show some leadership skills because I think her goal is to like eventually make like name partner or something. Anyway, so there is this task or this project that someone has to take to, you gotta, we have to, you know, lay some people off. I don't know mm -hmm. the, the specifics on that, but anyway, they had to lay some people off. And so she steps up to the plate and she goes, oh my gosh, I wanna, I, please let me take this on. I think she goes to Donna about it. And she wants to, you know, prove herself and like gain experience and all this great stuff. Well, I don't remember if they said, hey, use this algorithm to like, you know, filter out, okay, here's all the, the pool of people that, um, could qualify because they're not going to lay off management and like upper people. So yeah. anyway, here's, you know, the pool of, you know, salespeople or whatever. And here's, you know, how many clients they have, how many clients they've made, how many clients they've retained, how much business and money they've brought in. Here's all these like metrics of numbers that people have hit. And then we're going to, you know, type all this stuff in, click all this filtering, and then it's going to spit us out this list. And then of course the people who have the lowest numbers are, you know, the obvious people to leave. So she goes, she uses this algorithm. So again, I don't remember if she was asked to use the algorithm or if she just kind of opted to do that. But she does this algorithm and she, you know, the camera pans down the first of, you know, three pages or something like that. In the last couple of people included the name of one of her like coworker friends. And so here she is trying to be professional and it strikes an emotional part of her who goes, wait a second, but he's my friend. And so she has this moment of, a moment of hesitation. She goes to Donna. And so Donna being the multifaceted, emotionally intelligent character specifically in the show is able to look past this computer and ask um, Katrina some questions to like help her to gauge how to go about this project. And she goes, okay, who is, and I don't remember the guy's name um, that was on the bottom of the list, but who is he, like, um, what are his numbers? Okay, his numbers are low, so that's why he got to the bottom of the list. Let's consider, like, we know that he's a good culture fit, like, he's, he gets along with people, yada, yada. And mm -hmm. so she goes, who does he, like, where does he sit in, like, the bullpen? And so she names off, you know, this person, that person, that person, who are the, these people happen to be some of the top money makers. They're, like, higher names on the list and, and Donna seeing what an algorithm can't goes, well, wait a second. He's new to the company. He's a great culture fit. He's surrounded by good employees. He's going to be influenced and impacted and affected positively. He has so much potential. If you keep him around, he will not only have the hard skills in addition to the soft skills he already has. And yes, so to yes. bring that home with this episode, algorithms can't, so here's, here's some hot takes or some, <laughs> some quotes here. Um, algorithms can't gauge potential. They can't yes. see and know who you are surrounded by and the impact that's going to have on you. All they can do is the black and white. So mm -hmm. this algorithm was just a real clear example of what can be transactional and what cannot be transactional. Absolutely. Well, as you're saying, like algorithms can't determine these things. On the flip side of that, my first thought was numbers don't lie. 
Yeah, oh my but, gosh, our our boss said that all the time, <laughs> and man, like it just did something with me. Like good, like I was like, that's really important to remember. Numbers can't lie, which is great. But on the flip side of that, she would say numbers don't lie, but what she meant was follow the numbers and look through these black and white things and utilize your own thinking skills and go into the gray area of what's actually creating these numbers. This leads well to kind of my example. Um, when we had uh, one of our old bosses, we now have one boss, we used to have two. So our old boss, when Jordan and I moved to a more secluded office space so we could really hunker down and get more work done and, and basically have less distractions from people popping in and asking questions and yada yada or just stopping by to chat. Um, we moved to a more secluded part of the office to an office within the office, whatever you want to call it. Um, and our old boss noticed over several months we were having a really big breakdown in certain systems and the company culture. And this is like as a whole, since it's a small company. Um, and she took some time to really think about that and consider, okay, what has changed and went down the list of the black and white things of, like I was saying, numbers don't lie. So she was like, okay, none of these other things have changed. And then as she and I, you know, she had grabbed me for just a meeting of like, okay, what do you think has changed? And we've, after talking a while, we came to the conclusion, well, it's Jordan and I. We went from being in the thick of everything that was happening to being a lot more secluded and not being available all the time. So basically, we would do what I call the usual rounds where, you know, um, in different ways, we would be chatting or having that human connection. Um, making those connections with the other clinicians and staff. And in my head, that was the usual rounds. And we weren't really doing that very much once we moved to a different part of the office. So by not doing that, that actually caused a breakdown in communications and company culture in systems because we, at that point in time, were very much the go-betweens between our clinicians and the main bosses um, because the main bosses were literally so busy. So this was not something that was on our, that was like in our job description, but she actually made it part of our job descriptions because it had such a big effect. Um, and so making the rounds, uh, some people may see it as just a frivolous task as like, or I say task, but just very frivolous and social, um, especially since it's purely relational. But in an instance like this, it was a necessary part of the company's daily functioning. Bam, little things, mic man. drop. <laughs> little things. Some examples of, of a task that is highly relational and very low transactional, if anything, um, we've got building clients. We have maintaining client relationships, high client balances. A computer can show you to a point which clients have these high balances, but that doesn't solve the problem. The problem is to get the payment. <laughs> and so, yes, you can create an email template, but you have to press go. You have to run the report to find the people, to contact them, blah, blah, blah. So automation only works to a point, there comes a point where you have to reach out to them. Not so, to mention money is already a sensitive topic yes, for most people. Yes, it is. Um, you've got reasoning and decision-making. Um, it includes emotion. It's not just logic. And that's something that technology and machines don't understand the nuance of that. Um, within that, different factors are going to weigh heavier than others. And so it's not going to know okay, this person had low numbers, but they have high potential. It's not going to see that. It's going to be like, mm -hmm. you're done, go. Mm -hmm. um, and or so like, I know in, in the, um, in past jobs, like I was saying before, numbers don't lie, but in past jobs, I've worked with people who their numbers may not have been the best, but they were consistent. Mm. They were always on time. So we, that's a give and take. 
Exactly. Yeah. And so do you want to have someone come in for three months, give amazing numbers and then turn around and leave? Um, mm-hmm. Or do you want to have someone who's reliable? It's, it's a give and take. And that's why I'm glad I'm not in management because I have to help decide those things. And that's just yeah. a no, sensitive thing. Uh, so speaking of sensitive, um, other examples are sensitive or urgent things. Some additional things that we have on this list, the examples of relational tasks are sensitive or urgent things. Um, Some things need to be handled person to person and relationally. Like if you are, if someone in your family is in the hospital and dying, uh, you don't want an email from your doctor. You want to be told face to face. Oh my gosh. So imagine (laughs) that if someone thought that it was okay, Mm -hmm. I sent them an email about their family member Okay, continue. And that response is, that's exactly it. That is the perfect response. You get Google Google reviews, you get someone yelling someone out on the phone if they were just at that point in their day. Like, that's not okay. But that is an incredibly sensitive topic that should not be handled by automation, technology, robot, etc. And then another example as far as our intake process, we are really big on always having someone to answer the phones um, because we're talking about counseling, which is super relational. Because once again, you you cannot fake that human connection and you're already talking about something emotional. So it automatically, usually emotional um, and nuanced. So you're, it automatically falls into that relational category. Um, so we have people calling us on a regular basis that are in crisis or very emotional and so part of our company culture is having someone to answer that phone you get to speak to a person first and foremost that kind of example to say lacking human connection can really deteriorate or never even initiate a relationship or loyalty, customer loyalty, or within within the company, like your uh, employee or coworkers' loyalty and and connectedness. You like you can't really do that with a machine or with an automated email or whatever. Like you, there are things you need human connection for. And maybe even to put this out there, if you are trying to make all these things with machines there is a point where you will not be able to have emotional growth or health with whatever you're going through, whether it's like a a mental health thing or whether like, I mean, the the amount that we have both learned in our careers with the people that we have worked with, you, you could learn that from a textbook. Will it resonate the same way versus like bosses saying numbers don't lie and this and that there's certain truths that you hear that are so situ- situationally not implanted, but like placed that when you're in that situation, you're in the thick of it and you're thinking through all the pros and cons and tasks mm-hmm. and stuff. And someone says that one statement of, well, here's how we need to go about this. You're like, Oh, I've learned something new. I'm now a better mm-hmm. employee and professional. You grow and you become better for it. So just throwing that thought out there. <laughs> So um, I think that we're going to wrap this up with the benefits of having a human uh, versus a computer. Um, So, uh, hey, with that being said, first time of the episode. (laughs) I mean, it's so far. No, second time. Second time. Okay, second time. (laughs) I don't even know what I said the first time. (laughs) You do a little tally marks for me over there. Well, I remember you saying it one time. So I knew it was at least the second time. I think I literally didn't even notice the first time. Um, Okay, so... Uh, one thing is that a human is the only thing um, that can create and brainstorm ideas computers cannot. Um, so uh, here's our list here. So it's it's a lot of intangible things. So to speak into the first part of this list, humans know things. We can anticipate ideas or resolve problems intrinsically. Um, like only humans can make you feel special. Robots, tech, AI, it's not real. And we know it's not real. Um, They don't have 
the emotions to actually mean what they say. Uh, another thing is with interviews, uh, you can't make a decision of an employee to hire uh, solely based off of their resume. You need to talk with them. You need to gauge their personality, how they go about things, how they answer things, um, all of the things. How many times can I say things in this, you know, 30 second time period? Um, but you, you can't make a decision based off of that. So there's, there's a human element to it. Um, with business meetings with prospective vendors, uh, when you consider, oh, we want them to create a website, whatever it is, um, you can't make a decision off of their website. You have to talk with them. You have to engage with them and see how they would go about being your client and providing you with that service. Um, and so like, it makes me think of, I think it's McDonald's specifically, and it could be some other fast food restaurants as well, that they now have kiosks oh, in yeah, the Panera lobby. Has that. Okay. I didn't, I haven't been to an in-person in Panera in a minute, but, um, with that, you walk in and instead of going to the, ca I mean, you guys don't have to place order. When I, instead of going to the calendar and talking with the person who's a little bad and everything, you go to the kiosk and you push buttons of what your order is, click submit. And then I guess you just stand around waiting for that to like go through their system and then show up and they make the meal and they present it to you. So it's in that sense, they literally have you pressing buttons versus taking your order. Um, and kind of what you had said, Rachel, um, as far as like the the point of this episode, customer service. There's a mm. point where technology fails and humans have to step in because my Kindle had a like factory defect or something um, with it. And so no matter how lemon. much. Huh? It was a lemon. Oh, you know yeah. They say a car is a lemon. Yeah. It's, it's been a minute since I've heard that. Uh, but you can't have a because I like ordered it specially because I ordered it off of the sale and whatever and because it, it no matter how many help articles I tried at the end of the day the product didn't work and so I had to talk to someone who had to then do all their buttons and pushing on the back end to allow that um, and then Rachel you're really good with this with office design you have the the skill set in the background and then just the innate like not feng shui but the innate like psychology of design mm -hmm. knowing our company knowing the feel that we want to provide to not only our employees but our clients is to know how to select the furniture how to set it up the yes. colors the artwork like you bring that all together in a way that technology can't right i mean if we're talking about like ai or robots or whatever they're not going to really understand wanting someone to feel yes. at home or understand like a welcoming environment. Cause they're like, what's that? What's the point of that? We don't mm -hmm. feel. And again, I'm just, I'm giving generalizations, but they aren't set up. They aren't quote unquote created like we are to have feelings and need human connection and blah, blah. So wh why would they care if a space feels comfortable? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. There's just so like much emotionally, like, emotionally. The why? Why say. we want this and our goal? And they're like, it just is what it is. Um, in like the bigger kind of idea of how many relational jobs and positions and careers that we rely on as a society that we could not replace with machines and make automated. You've got news anchors. You have cooks and chefs, I guess bakers too, Ooh, as far yeah. as just all mm -hmm. that. Uh, you've got police officers. You have firefighters. You've got judges, nurses and doctors, mailmen. All of these roles, you need to have someone there to assess, to act. So then our, our final two talking points of, of the main section here, um, when you have the human element it creates a trust and a loyalty among your clients and your products and your employees. You can't substitute that. You can't replace that. And when you have a human element into making these high-level decisions, whether you're management, whether you're full-on leadership, ownership, et cetera, there are certain nuances that you can pick up on and start to notice either great things about your company or 
you know what? I'm noticing a trend. I'm noticing a pattern. I'm noticing a weak spot. I'm going to do something about this. And not to be dramatic, but what if you notice a weak spot which would have had a ripple effect that could have made you lose your company? Like the company could have gone mm. under if you hadn't have picked mm-hmm. up on that employer, that product, or that legality, whatever it is. You have to have the human element to really successfully run a company. So that was our episode on relational tasks. Uh, we really wanted to do episodes on transactional and relational tasks to show that there's a place for both in the professional world, regardless of uh, what year it is, what generation you're from, uh, the technology that's available, and to also show the true impact and importance of both in the workplace. So hopefully this has given you some food for thought. Uh, This episode and the previous episode have given you food for thought regarding um, your workplace, your work style, your work approach. And if you know you lean more towards one or the other, if you know you're a more just black and white, straightforward, transactional person that likes to automate, take emotion out of things, or if you know that you're very much on the relational side and you would rather connect person to person than send an email, hopefully this is a good, um, these were good episodes to encourage you to try something new this week. Uh, It could really surprise you with how effective it is. Um, So again, thank you for listening and stay professional-ish. Ding! <laughs>